0: Distributed denial of service attacks, or DDoS, have plagued the internet for decades, and attackers are finding new ways to take advantage of higher levels of bandwidth and the ever-growing number of network-connected devices. So today on the Tech Bytes, sponsored by Nokia, we're going to talk about what's brewing on the DDoS front and how Nokia's deep field is bringing new analytics techniques to the fight. Our guest is Craig Labovitz. He is head of technology for Nokia Deep Field. Uh, Craig, welcome to the podcast. So as I mentioned, DDoS has been an issue for ages, but are you seeing new techniques or tactics that attackers are putting into play?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, when we started 25 years ago doing DDoS, most DDoS came from a relatively small number of Eastern European and Asian data centers where the traffic was spoofed. What's largely changed is both the technology to solve the problem, the market problem, and of course, the motive and who's doing the DDoS. So 25 years ago, most DDoS detection and mitigation was designed around spoofed. The really dramatic change today is a significant majority of DDoS is not spoofed. It's not coming from small number of hosting and data centers. Uh, it's coming from compromised IoT devices in every network in Europe, Asia, uh, US. It's coming from just millions of compromised DVRs, NVRs, video systems living in every enterprise, living in every gas station, every small law office, all have these cameras and other devices. And I read, so- uh,
2: I read somewhere today, Craig, that uh, uh, there's a lawsuit started against Amazon and Google for selling Android uh, uh, TV sticks, you know, like Fire type things, and they ship with malware. No one to be shipping with malware. They've been reported, and people have done nothing and they're shipping thousands of them every week. That that is just a significant change in the way products work.
1: Yeah, and you know, the problem if you look at any of the graphs of the number of compromises, uh, particularly of IoT devices per year, you know, it's on an exponential tear. Mm-hmm. And it's every type of device. You know, this morning I was working on a customer issue where they were being attacked by earthquake sensors across the US oh, that goodness. all had been compromised. So, you know, it While it largely is a problem of uh, different types of CP routers and videos, we see parking meters, we see, I don't see any refrigerators compromised, but, you know, basically every other type of device. Just wait five minutes, I guess.
0: And I think the issue here is that these are devices that are supposed to be on the network. They have a legitimate reason to be on the network. So it's not a question of trying to identify that they're spoofed. It's just the fact that it's about a numbers game now.
1: Yeah. And the traffic otherwise is legitimate. These aren't spoof packets. These are packets coming from real embedded Linux stacks. So it otherwise looks exactly like there's no secret bit in the payload to distinguish. And quite a bit of this traffic, by the way, is using encryption. So it's very difficult using historical DDoS techniques to be able to differentiate between the good and the bad of the traffic.
2: What about the change in the consumer with now that they're moving to symmetric bandwidth? So we're seeing customers are having 100 megs to the house with a 20 meg up or gigabit symmetric, like gigabit up, gigabit down. That's got to be changing the numbers as well.
1: Yeah, that's really the other really massive market shift. Uh, For years and years, most homes were 10 meg up, uh, you know, whatever, 100 meg, 500 meg down. But very, very with DOCSIS, with DSL, very limited Mm -hmm. upstream bandwidth. When you look at the press releases coming out of Europe, Asia, and the U.S., every major provider has announced giggy or 10 gig, you know, even larger symmetric plans. And what this does is for 25 years, compromised devices in the home and the enterprise were an annoyance because they were all 10 meg up.
2: That's right. When they
1: go to one gig or 10 gig. (laughs) It is a very different threat proposition that many of our uh, customers are facing.
2: And I think the edge networks are bigger too. So because they're now delivering that, the actual once upon a time, a broadband service might've only had a two meg uplink or a 10 meg uplink. And now they have multiple gigabit, you know, like they have hundreds of gigabits going back to the core of the network. That's a transition too.
1: Yeah. And it's a, it's a very different network and, you know, we're moving to just a number of devices that are being connected. Uh, So, you know, as we move to fixed mobile just these massive, massive rollouts where it's increasingly economically feasible to have just many more devices directly exposed to the internet.
0: Mm-hmm. And what about the entities of uh, organizations using DDoS as a tool or a weapon? It's uh, often criminal gangs, but that's changing too, right?
1: Yeah, so for years and years, providers and vendors like to tell stories about state actors and larger criminal organizations. But for most of the 25 Past 25 years, you know, DDoS, at least to me, always seen more of a sort of mom and pop, you know, five, ten members of a criminal gang that managed to find some black market hosting, allowed them to spoof, or maybe a handful of botnets. Uh, particularly starting with the outbreak of hostilities in Europe last year, there are, you know, really, I think, compelling signs that state-affiliated, state-sponsored actors got involved. And really, for the first time, things vendors had warned about for years uh, likely became true. So we saw a really significant shift from botnets that numbered in the few thousands, which was typical, to botnets that we had never seen before brought out just at the start of the conflict, numbering in the hundreds of thousands. Mm -hmm. So, you know, really dramatic shift in the scale of the available resources, uh, the size of the attacks and the complexity of the attacks, uh, really, again, tied to the start of the conflict.
2: What about RPKI and other tools that we've done with uh, routing from the telcos to secure the BGP routing? Have they had an impact, or is this really just... Yes, it had an impact, but this is it's even worse in its own way.
1: So, I think all of the BGPsec, DNSsec, RPKI—you uh, know—all these techniques to limit the amount of spoofing have been meaningful and important and have had an effect on decreasing the amount of spoofed ddos we saw coming from a small number of hosting providers traditionally mm-hmm. the challenge is today the traffic isn't spoofed it is coming from every enterprise from you know every yeah. gas station convenience store millions of consumers with a compromised iot okay. and by the way you know you, you don't need a large percentage of iot devices to be compromised if they are on exponential curve you know today some folks are predicting we are now in the 10 billion number of iot devices and growing yeah. so it it really is an issue of just the scale of the iot rollout that we're seeing and no decrease in the quality of the code and the you know embedded operating systems being installed on these
0: Okay. So I think that's a good summary of the problem, Um, but we're here to talk about Nokia DeepField and and what you're doing. Can you give us a sense of, I guess, uh, maybe some quick background on DeepField to set the stage and then, you know, new techniques that you're bringing into the fight against DDoS?
1: Sure. Yeah. uh, DeepField joined Nokia about 2018. We started out as a startup and the focus of DeepField really has been the idea that the routers from Nokia have become increasingly capable to actually embed DDoS detection and security directly in the routers, i.e. not the need for lots of different hardware in the network. Uh So building security into the network. So
0: this means instead of having uh, a bunch of specific DDoS filtering hardware, I can actually
1: do some of that filtering in the router itself? Yeah. So the routers have become capable to embed the filters detection directly in the silicon without the need for all these other third-party devices in the network.
2: So how, do, how does that work in practice? Is that you collect flows sampling? Do you, you do DPI? What, what are the technologies you're deploying in that today?
1: Sure. So Deepfield does two things. One is it leverages IPFix standard ITF protocols. We also leverage Nokia specific protocols where we can get DPI and packet samples. When DeepField ingests these samples from the network, we also have the ability to directly program the silicon on the FP45 uh, Nokia silicon chipsets to block the DDoS directly on the router.
2: Right. So it's direct so you've got silicon support here, which gives you what scale? Able to get to hundreds of megabits. 100 gigabits, 100 terabits even, I guess.
1: Uh, yeah, multi two 2.8 tera.
0: So how do you address concerns then if I'm a service provider and these routers are, you know, essentially my business model that I'm also using them for DDoS filtering that that DDoS capability isn't going to take away from their capability to move packets to customers?
1: Yeah. Traditionally on other vendors, uh, adding filters and ACLs has always impacted forwarding performance. One of the key design points for Nokia has been that ACLs policies have no impact on the forwarding performance. So really, I, I think a key difference in the technology stack.
0: Okay. And again, custom silicon that you think is that, that gives you that uh, that capability? Yeah, it's custom silicon.
2: The key here is that the routers that do you know, WAN backbones for the biggest telcos in the world are also DPI protection services because the silicon supports the features. And all you have to do, all you have to do, you know, do get some flow records into the into deep field, get some packet samples and deep packet inspection derived from that. And then all of a sudden you can start blocking at scale. You can do DDoS prevention at scale.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if DDoS is on an exponential curve as it's continued in terms of scale, size of the attacks, and you are trying to fight it using traditional, you know, third party appliances and just stacking Mm. them as fast as you can, you've got a scale problem. But it's a
2: cost problem as well, because the more DDoS appliances you get, the more cost you've got, the more power you consume, the more space you use, the more maintenance contracts and more asset management. So being able to do this in the router is a, well, a key advantage.
1: Oh, no, exactly. As the old NASA phrase, with enough thrust, anything flies. <laughs> so with enough hardware in the network, uh, yeah. you know, that's what the attempt folks are trying to do today. But mm. really, the only economic thing that is scaling with the size of the attacks and the size of the network are the routers themselves. Yep. No other third-party FPGAs have this scaling factor.
2: And you're also avoiding DDoS cleaning services, where you actually divert the traffic off your network to someone else or into a you know, a stack of appliances, because that's, you know, and those, as you say, those solutions don't scale, or maybe are they still
1: necessary and you can complementary to those? So, you know, I think there's many different, uh, different sort of scenarios, but in general, deploying and diverting traffic is complicated, involved and expensive. It is far more efficient. It is far faster in terms of latency and the time to defense. If you can just mitigate the first time a network sees the bad traffic.
0: At the edge. Yeah.
1: At the edge.
0: So we talked about uh, increased bandwidth, increased number of devices on the network. AI is also now on the horizon, or at least maybe is it even here? Uh, How does AI play a role in what Nokia is doing?
1: So AI is a key part of our business strategy. In the past... Typically, folks were doing DPI trying to find just the bad bit in individual packet. Mm-hmm. Today, with DDoS, there is no bad bit in individual packet. Instead, it is understanding across all of these compromised devices. So, for example, seeing traffic from just one camera on the network may not be unusual, but 10,000 all at the same time is signs or almost always signs of an attack. So, it really is being able to reason about more than just payload being able to reason about topology, about the different type of devices sending traffic, and about the typical network patterns as well, all of which goes into a large sort of machine learning engine uh, to provide very granular, very accurate DDoS detection and mitigation.
2: So AI is a, a better way to fingerprint DDoS or to identify DDoS and then turn it into a rule that can get down into the silicon at the edge of the carrier core.
1: Yeah. And it's reasoning about larger data sets. So it's not just reasoning about individual packets, but what Nokia has done is reasoning about the entirety of a network and the entirety of internet devices. So we do quite a bit. Uh, We do crawling of the internet. We do discovery, reputation. We track every IP on the internet. All goes into this engine to build very accurate, very fast detection mitigation rules.
2: So, it's not like the old day where it was basically a bunch of ACLs that were being updated on a regular basis. It's a much more sophisticated approach.
1: Correct. Right. The old days when you just looked for a particular pattern in the DPI are gone. The traffic uh-huh. is encrypted. The traffic no longer has that bad DPI pattern. It's coming from real devices. So, different yeah. techniques are required.
2: And it's bigger. It didn't get, in a, and it's just more of it as well. <laughs> just, just, I still can't get over the scale of it. You know, we're talking terabit class DDoS attacks in the last few months. So, Yeah, it's hard to imagine.
0: I understand uh, DeepField has a program called Secure Genome. Can you tell us about that and how it applies to uh, DDoS protection?
1: Yeah, Secure Genome is part of the program. uh, It's just the program I was describing. It's a machine learning program where we ingest crawling data from every reachable V4, V6 address we fingerprint every device, we track patterns on those devices if we've seen them used in other attacks before, and all of that data goes into real-time detection mitigation within our customer networks. So very, very large corpus of uh, information about the entire internet.
2: Well, let's switch to talking a little bit about products. I know we talked about ASICs and how the features are already in the routers, but I think you've actually been bringing new hardware into the DeepField DDoS portfolio.
1: Yeah. So, uh, Nokia has, as we discussed previously, the FB4, FB5, uh, custom Nokia A6 that we've been able to leverage and continue working with our uh, hardware team partners in Nokia to develop features directly on the router. More recently, for edge networks and data centers, Nokia just a few months ago announced our FBCX for other parts of the network that will have similar capabilities. But for Nokia, the general strategy is instead of an afterthought, security is part and parcel and built into the network from day one.
2: All right, let's 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 talk a little bit about the products because if people want to implement this service, there's still some hardware. Recently, you've been extending the DDoS portfolio, the deep field DDoS portfolio with some new hardware. Let's talk about that.
1: Yeah, so in addition to FP4, FP5 capabilities on the edge routers, we now have what we call the Defender Mitigation System or DMS. And that is right. a one-to-one replacement for existing hardware scrubbers, but instead of using FPGA, it uses the existing FP4, FP5 chipsets modified with special software in a standalone platform. So provides much more flexible deployment options for deployments where they do want to have scrubbers and they do want to continue off-ramping or they don't have Nokia routers on their edge.
2: Right. And that's key because a lot of telcos may not be using Nokia. I mean, lots of them do, but some don't. Um, this would allow them to put that in. And then as you say, you can do the diversion where you divert the DDoS traffic into a scrub or a cleaning mode, send it. The thing right. that catches me about this is the capacity. 2.8 terabits per second is a lot for a DDoS scrubber.
1: It is. And again, a lot of this comes down to cost. So one of the design goals was the cost pr- uh, price point for DDoS mitigation, but the next largest are 400 gig, uh, You know, some devices getting up to eight, but this is significantly larger than anything else on the market today for a much more efficient cost price point for mm-hmm. data center off-ramp DDoS mitigation.
0: So it's clear Nokia is putting a lot of investment into DDoS protection, but it's not something that one uh, company can handle by itself. Are are there more uh, collective efforts uh, across the industry to to take on DDoS?
1: So Nokia is working with our partners. Uh, We recently announced something we call GDTA or the uh, Global DDoS Threat Alliance for our customers and other ISPs to be able to share information about attacks. Uh, And again, you know, it really is, I think, two issues. One, it's a collective fight against these attacks. And I think the second major is we are working with more customers on their own networks. That typically providers were only concerned about attacks coming into their networks. Increasingly, we're working with providers that are working to mitigate the attack traffic coming out of their networks and attacking other providers from compromised bot and IoT devices. So both of those were quite enthusiastic to be able to take a broad uh, attack against DDoS.
2: That would give you more accurate detection and protection because the more information you've got in theory, the better your AI and machine learning algorithms to recognize it and the, the more number of sources. But what I also like is you're opting in. You're not saying to customers, we're going to take your data. You can opt out if you don't want us to, but there's a thing there, right? There's, a, there's an approach here to say, please opt into this.
1: Yeah, exactly. It is opt in uh, and it does provide both local visibility for providers to be able to see attacks before they hit their network. And again, it is very useful data as we try to understand the global DDoS trends and make sure the machine learning and algorithms are several steps ahead.
2: And this is something that's happened elsewhere in the security landscape. We have various uh, cyber threat uh, forums where they agree to share intelligence about threats and they trade signatures and information about you know, new attacks that are happening. So you can get in these into the feeds. And there's this public data um, and everybody gets protected. It's not sort of holding the information for yourself.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's the same goal. So, you know, it really is very specific types of information we need. It's not the payload. We don't need user identifying, but it really is understanding the different types of devices, the different types of networks, the different parts of the world, understanding these patterns in DDoS that, that help us stay several steps ahead.
0: Well, we are out of time. Uh, Craig, thank you for being here. I want to let folks know if they're interested in getting more details about uh, Deep Field Defender, the mitigation system, the Global DDoS Threat Alliance, and other material from Nokia. We'll have all of those links in the show notes that accompany this podcast. Uh, thank you, Craig, for being here. Uh, and thank you, Nokia, for being a sponsor. And as always, thank you, the listener, for joining us. If you like this episode, you can find this and many more fine free technical podcasts and our community blog. It's all at Packapushers.net. You can follow us online at Packapushers. hear us on Spotify. And if you would, rate us on Apple Podcasts And last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.